We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is yet another Saturday, and for the first time ever, we have our official Saturday trio together. It, it is Jason Perrone, myself, and I was swapping back and forth between Paul Brettel and Mark Eckel, but I have them both with me, and we will now be your every Saturday trio. So we'll start with Mark on the East Coast. We'll go by time zone. Mark, you're first. How are you doing over there? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. Very good. And Paul, how is this? You know, here we are in week one. Well, we're almost at the end of week one. So how are things going? Uh, going going well. We're adjusting and learning how to function with less sleep. But uh, it's it's a very, very cool experience and I feel lucky. Yeah, you look you look very refreshed for a new <laughs> dad. So, congra- so congratulations, Reagan Brettel, beautiful baby. And uh, the newest addition to the Pack-A-Day family. So. Yes. All right, so the draft series continues. We are less than two weeks away. Gentlemen, I just saw, I, I have been so pre, sorry, not pre, I've been so consumed with everything else going on in the world that I completely lost track of time and didn't realize that we were as close to the draft as we are. And I, it, it gave me some nice excitement the other day to realize that we're coming up really close to it. And so our series on kind of previewing some of these position groups is going to be coming to a close soon because it's going to be the actual draft, but we have drawn cornerbacks. So we're going to talk about cornerbacks and I want to, I want to thank Mark who did a fantastic job of doing some deep research on this year's class and giving Paul and I some good guidance on, who some of the top names are. So, Mark, kudos to you. And, in fact, I'm just going to kick it over to you and kind of I'll let you kind of lead this thing off because you had a, you pointed this out weeks and weeks ago before anybody was talking about it. Corner could actually end up being a sneaky, uh, really fruitful position in this draft. Yeah, well, I, I, I talked to a guy that was, in, in, well, was an executive in personnel uh, and helping me out with my draft stuff when I was covering the Eagles on a regular basis for, for years. So I, I put a call into him again this year. Just to, I told him I'm doing some other things, and he was always kind to help me out. And when we got to cornerbacks, he said to me, "You know, everybody's talking about wide receivers. 
this the cornerback position is the is the deepest position in in this draft. He said it's deep, he thinks it's deeper. He, he he listed fourteen to fifteen names of guys that he thinks can come in and start as rookies. That's huge. That's, that's a lot of corners. Yeah, start as rookies. And he said, you know, and he and again, it's a lot like wide receiver in that he said you don't need to take one in the first round because the guy number twelve, say, you know, the guy that he has twelfth best isn't much different than the guy you have third or fourth. So depending on – and a lot depends on your system and what you – some some teams like the Packers, although they, they did stray from it a couple of years ago when they took Alexander, won't take a certain height. You know, there's, a, there's a height requirement. Some teams want more speed. You know, So depending on who you like and what your need is, you might get the guy you want a lot later than – then you should be basically because other teams are going to take somebody else. But there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of corners, and I think the Green Bay Packers can can use a corner and may get one at you know in the third round. You can I, never, I yeah, you can never have too many. Is the old adage, never have too many good corners. And Paul, I know you've been doing some draft preview stuff for Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express. So as far as that goes, we were talking a little bit before the show, and we mentioned obviously get Kevin King, whose contract is coming up. We don't know what the team's going to do with him. So what have you been seeing as far as corners, and is that a position that you've also kind of focused on amidst all the other hot ones like receiver and quarterback? Yeah, I definitely think it's a, a position that needs to be addressed during the draft. As Mark said, I don't think it needs to be round one, you know, unless you got a Christian Fulton or C.J. Henderson that happens to be around at 30. But it's a sneaky need for this team. You know, when we think of or hear or see the mock drafts, it's receiver, linebacker, offensive tackle, which in their own right need to be addressed, especially tackle. Uh, looking for that future position. But there's a lot of question marks around the cornerback room in 2020 and perhaps even more so in 2021. I mean, we know Dyer Alexander's a stud. Kevin King has an injury history, had the breakout year last year, but he's a free agent next year. And you know who else is a free agent with him? Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, and Corey Lindsley. Mm-hmm. So out of those five alone, he might or is likely number five on that list of uh, – you know, him and Aaron Jones would probably flop, but he's at the bottom of that list in order of importance to re-sign, and so there's the possibility that he's not back next year. So after those two, then we have Chandon Sullivan. He emerged over the second part of the season last year, uh, played really well, and obviously we hope that he can carry that momentum over, but it's still an unknown. Um, you know, can he, with full reps, take over? And likely, I think there'd be the slot cornerback role if Tremont Williams isn't brought back. You know, how is he going to perform playing at being that guy on a week-to-week basis. After that, there's Josh Jackson. Um, We know his story. He struggled to see the field a lot. I think he played about 10% of the defensive snaps last year, and when he was on the field, the results weren't very good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after him is Kadar Holman. He flashed in the preseason, but once again, it's the preseason. He's still a relative unknown. So out of that group, if we look at it collectively, you, you see the potential that's there, but that's putting a lot of a lot of weight and hope into guys that we just don't know about. And if it doesn't pan out, uh, it could get ugly. And then <laughs> the injury part as well. You know, last year they were fairly healthy, but we've seen, you know, go back the last 10 years, and it seemed like most of those years the Packers secondary just got decimated with injuries. Um, so I think it's a I think it's a need third, fourth round or so, so, obviously depending how the board falls. Yeah. Well, okay, so that list of guys that Paul just – rattled off there mark how do you feel about the cornerback position in terms of going into this next season and even the season after oh i agree with paul 100 percent. i mean like you said alexander's there and you know he's going to be there for his trump pick he has a few more years left as well but yeah kevin king's a guy that i like a lot and when he is healthy i think he's played well but he's going to be a free agent and if he was the packers only free agent i wouldn't worry yeah they're going to sign him but as paul pointed out you got kenny kenny clark's number one you got to do something there back to Ari's one a after that is how much money's left. I mean, unless they can get they can get King done now, maybe on a less than uh, market contract. If he's willing to take less now, maybe you do it, and then corner eases up a little bit as a, as a need. But you still need one because, like, like you said, Sullivan came out of nowhere. I I, I remember him with the Eagles. The Eagles cut him. I mean, he, he's been he's an undrafted guy who's already been been cut once. Uh, yeah, he played well last year, but he can turn back into that guy that gets cut again. You know, I mean, we don't know. And, you know, like I said, Holman didn't play at all last year, so we don't know what he's raw. 
they need they corners of corner is I think the second I mean, I'll say the third biggest need on the on the team behind right tackle and wide receiver. Well, the, the other safety net, and this is not a fix, but the other safety net that the Packers currently have is if all else fails, they could bring Tremont back, Tremont Williams back for one more year. But I don't know. I mean, he was good last year, but you're not bringing him back to be the guy. You're bringing him back to be a body and a mentor and a mentor. Right. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind drafting a guy and bringing him back to mentor the guy you brought, that you just you know because he's a great mentor. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, and then and then there's just the stability that Tremont brings. You know, he was the nickel corner last year. Um, you know, if they bring him back, Shannon Sullivan maybe starts out the year there. But if things go south and injury happens, you got someone that you can rely on who may not be in as in his athletic prime, but he's a smart player and those instincts and intelligence and football IQ are going to carry him a long ways. And you know, just it, it gives the Packers a safety net at a key position just by bringing him back, and um, it it isn't going to break the bank either. They yeah. haven't done it yet, but but no one else has signed the meters. That's it's still available. Well, I like Mark's idea. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of stack it up with defensive backs, and he's not a defensive back, uh, or I shouldn't say he is a defensive back. He's not listed as a corner, but one guy that I'm a huge fan of, and I don't necessarily think he has to, to come at the 30th pick, is Antoine Winfield, which is he's more of a safety um, not a not a cornerback, but if they went that route earlier than everyone is expecting them to, I wouldn't hate it because it's it's a position that's going to creep up on them, and it's a pivotal one in a passing league. So if we turn to the list right now, the obvious first name on everyone's list, and I only say obvious because it's the name that we see first almost every single mock draft or in every conversation, and that's Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State. So he's currently mocked as the top corner. We've seen, we talked before the show, we've seen him, uh, you know, mocked as early as the third overall pick. Um, I don't, you know, as as some of my, my friends and colleagues have said before, don't ever assume a guy's not going to fall because a guy could potentially fall. But I don't see any way the Packers are going to have, they're going to have Okuda staring them no. in the face at 30. Mark, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, no. Uh, no, that's no. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say about that is no. He's not making the third. If he makes it to seven, it'll be it'll be a, a, a shock. Right, um, and, and Paul, as far as what you've seen from him too, is he a, is he a top ten talent? Um, <laughs> it's a good question. I think the weight of the the cornerback position carries a lot of that. Um, but he's a guy that can fit into any scheme, and you know he's been mocked to the Detroit Lions. I think in just about every mock draft since they first started coming out, and that just fits. They lost Darius Slay. They're in a division with. Allen Robinson and Devontae Adams, their defense let him down last year. Um, so I think it makes sense. And, yeah, he's definitely going, you know, probably top five at the at the minimum. So last week, Mark, you brought up a good point about the, the over-under on certain conferences and having first-round picks. And one stat that I saw about Ohio State corners uh, since 1999, they've had ten corners drafted in the first round. There haven't been any other schools with more than five over wow. the last 20 years. So that they pedigree, you know, the, the, the pedigree at Ohio State for corners seems to be good. And and they and they could have two this year because um, Damon Ar- Arnett is a guy that I have him on. I think I have him fourth or fifth on my list of top corners. So depending on how, again, depending on if the certain team likes him, you know, he could be a guy that he, he may last into the 20s. Um, you know, he's pretty good. He... Um, he could. I mean, he's one of them guys that's going to come in. He's pro, you know he's not as good as as a Kutra, but he's but he can play and he you know he he ran well to combine. No no I'm sorry he did not run well to combine. yeah he no yeah did not run well to combine and that could that could put now he could be there at third, but I don't know if I want a corner at third. He <laughs> ran a he ran a four five six. Um, yeah. The 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 book on him is he, he presses well. He's scrappy. He does get a little bit emotional. I, I kind of re- I'm reading this scouting report that you know he can get beat deep, and so can any corner. And then he's best suited as maybe a, a zone corner. And I'm like, is this like Tony Brown on steroids? Not literally, <laughs> but that I, I mean I don't I don't know, Paul. What's your take on Arnett while we're talking about Ohio State corners? He had a really good uh, 
season last year, but the other knock on him, he's going to be 24 before the rookie season, before his rookie season begins. Um, I don't think the earliest I could see him going is probably round three or so, because I think that's a big aspect of it. Um, but yeah, but he had a really good season, played in the slot and out wide, so he's versatile. But I think the testing in his age will knock him down a little bit. Mark, this the age thing is going to come up a lot, and and I don't remember, you know, up until the last ten years, hearing a lot of, and I don't know if it's changed. I mean, has the average age of of rookies coming in gotten older, or are we just hearing about it more because the analytics people have taken over the the process? A little bit of both. Um... You also have young guys coming. You have guys coming out who are very young sometimes. And it is amazing. It's amazing that this guy's coming out of college. Is he 24 already, Paul, or, or he'll turn 24? He's turning 24. Turns 24. And how old's Kenny Clark? 24. <laughs> He's been in the league how many years? Now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like how that happened. <laughs> did, did Kenny like get skipped in school when he was young and his kid stayed back a lot? I mean, what happened? How did that happen? <laughs> Kenny Clark's four. I don't. I, I, it baffles me sometimes how things work. I guess, but um, he did. He, to Arnett's credit, he stayed four years in school at Ohio State. So he is a senior, which there aren't many seniors. As most guys coming out now are juniors. Um, so that that's one of it. He's not a guy. I, I don't. I don't see him as a Packer fit anyway. Now let's. Um, some of the guy like here's the guy I like. Even I might like him, and my, the guy I talk to likes him just as much as Okudra is C.J. Henderson from Florida who I think is a first-round pick. Um, he ran very well at the combine. He, he, he ran a 4.39, and he's 6'1", 204. That's, that's a pretty good size speed ratio. Yeah, he, he ran a sub 4.4, like you said, and when I watched him, I liked what I saw. He's, he was in the – wherever the ball was, he seemed to be there. So he's, he's around the ball a lot, which you want, obviously, for a corner. He – uh, another stat that stood out was he was only uh, charged with giving up two touchdowns over the past two seasons, and actually those both took place in 2019. He didn't give up; he wasn't charged with any in 2018. So that's that's a very playing in, in the SEC. That's pretty impressive. Playing against top competition. Now his tackling at times was an issue, but corners coming out of college, I don't care. There's plenty of plenty of guys that are going to learn the NFL and actually one of the things that I think if you have to put a knock on Henderson it's that he's a good college corner but he's likely to see the best footwork and route running that he's ever faced in the NFL but you could say that about any corner that's coming in so sure there'll be an adjustment period and as I talk about what's between his ears is important Paul have you done any any looking in at CJ Henderson and and seen anything that stood out to you yeah, I did. I agree with Mark. I think he's number two behind Okuda. Um, tested really well at the combine, super speedy guy, and he he mirrors the receivers really well. Um, you know, he would be a good fit for the Packers just being able to step in as an outside corner and man coverage, um, which is what Mike Patton loves to play. So that would be a great draft pick if he ended up happening to be around 30, but I'm going to take yep. a guess. And I don't like playing that he won't be their game, but that's what I'm going to say for this. <laughs> Yeah, so then, okay, so interestingly enough, we've mentioned Christian Fulton from LSU a couple times, but we have not yet mentioned Bryce Hall. And, Mark, on your list, Hall was listed just above Fulton. So I don't know if you see any that's kind of a gap between these two. That's been altered a little bit, by the way. Uh, when I when I got back to my guy, he moved. Fulton is now three, on, I guess, whatever he looked at since then. Uh, but Hall's, he likes Hall a lot. Hall's a guy that isn't getting a lot of, from you know national whatever he's he's considered not in that top five or six but he my guy likes him a lot he's he's again he's big and strong he's six one two hundred um, physical um, he might be more of a zone guy uh, but he but he's he makes you know he's again coming out of Virginia's now they're not Ohio State when it comes to corners but they've turned out some some corners in the in in the past now and. Um, he can come in and play. He's he's ready. He's intelligent. Um, he can come in and play. He's, he'll come in and play as a rookie, I think. I mean, he's a guy that, that, that can come in and start for you. He's a guy that I think is going to be – it's going to be important to see which team he ends up with and what they ask him to do. So he had – one of the reasons why we might not hear as much about him is he actually had season-ending ankle surgery in mid-October. So he wasn't even able to finish this last season. But 
He's got, like you said, he's got the good size, good length. He's he's around the ball a lot. I think what his biggest weaknesses that I saw consistently were his his deep speed, his speed keeping up with the deep ball, and then the transition off of press coverage. So maybe more of a of a zone guy. You know, he only. He only put up 11 reps at the combine. Take take that for what it will. That may mean nothing to you, or it may mean something. But he did lead in 2018. He had 22 pass breakups in a full season, and I think he I think he led. Uh, I don't I don't know if it was the full uh, FBS, but I think he might have led his conference. That's quite a few. Yeah, and I like um, I like what Mark said about Bryce Hall as well. I think that he could end up being a, a you know a nice good value pick in this draft. I don't necessarily know he's going to be a first rounder or so, but many or not many, but I saw some um, you know articles saying that last summer before his injury took place, there were a lot of scouts that had him with a first round grade. So I think whoever does end up getting him is going to get a good value pick on that. And to what Mark said, I I do think zone is going to be best for him, but at Virginia, they played a little bit, played a little bit of everything in that defensive secondary. So he does have some, um, you know, reps in man, but I like his game a lot. He's big. He's got the big wingspan for all those pass breakups that you brought up, Jason. I think he's going to be a good value for someone immediate impact player. Sure. And then if we move on to Fulton at LSU, the big thing for me, Mark, you and I have talked about this before, is whether or not, uh, well, maybe we haven't talked about it a ton, off the field stuff and how you feel about it, because he ran, a, he ran well. He ran a sub-4-5-40. Uh, in 2017, he was suspended for submitting a false specimen for a drug test. So he's a top, you know, he plays at a top conference on a top team. This was three years ago. You know, does that still, you know, Mark, I'll start with you. Does that still stick out to you? Are you still, obviously got to do your due diligence, but does that make you nervous? A little bit. Not, 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 I mean, yeah, again, you have to, that's why when they, when you interview guys at the combine and you're, you know, you break one out, you can't bring them in, but when you talk to them, whatever, you ask them about that. What was that all about? You, you, you look into it. You talk to the coaches there. Um, it doesn't throw me off him because I think he's still a pretty good player. Um, uh, the Packers seem to stay away from guys like that, though, and, I don't, and that's not a bad thing to do. Yeah, and we're going to hear – I mean, I've already heard about some athletes that are – you know, I've heard some teams have Tua off their board completely. I mean, some teams just don't want to touch an injury issue or an off-the-field issue or – or anything like that. But again, top competition, top corner. He's, uh, you know, he stays well with the wide receiver when when um, he, he's his back is to the ball, which is something that gets a lot of young corners. I can't stop when I when I see that. I can't stop having terrible flashbacks to the days of Ahmad Carroll oh. and how grabby that guy was. <laughs> and now I'm going way back and digging way back into the crates. But that was a that was Mike Sherman at his bad as best. <laughs> Uh, it's probably one of the reasons why he's not your favorite Packers person. He's my least favorite coach of all time. All time, yep. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so Paul, as far as Fulton, now Fulton, I haven't watched a whole lot of of tape on. He obviously, you know, he played in a national championship game. But uh, any thoughts on him in particular to add? Yeah, he's another one of those guys like uh, Okuda and Henderson, where uh, zone man, press man, he's going to be able to step in and. Um, you know, be a starting caliber corner in any really defensive scheme. Uh, mirrors the uh, the receivers very well. One thing, he only had two interceptions, um, so have to wonder a little bit about the ball skills. But overall, he's a very good corner. Um, but like Mark had said, with uh, in terms of his off the field, that is typically something that the Green Bay Packers do stay away from. Now, if he's available at 30, um, I still don't think that. I don't know. That's a tough one because he he played well on the field, but um, he's a very good player. So then we move on to finally we get to the Crimson Tide. Alabama's been feeling really left out of this of this list, and a late entry to it. Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. He's one that I don't have a whole lot on. So Mark, I'll turn it over to you. And, and did you get any notes from our eye in the sky on Diggs? I did. He doesn't like. I believe. I mean, he told me I have to. He had to include him because a lot of people do like him, and, he, and he's going to get drafted high. Um, but he just thinks he's not as good as the other guys. He said, you know. And I'm listen. I'm an, I like. I'm an Alabama fan, so it pains me to say this, but 
Alabama cornerbacks, a lot of them have been disappointments in the NFL for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm not sure why that is, but um, as good as all their other players turn out to be sometimes, like the wide receivers, whatever, linebackers, um, their corners, maybe it's the scheme they play that helps them. I don't know, but um, I, I think I, I don't want the Packers to take. <laughs> sure. Uh, Paul, any thoughts on Diggs and his fit in particular with the Packers? Um, I think that he could fit in terms of playing uh, the the press coverage, but um, it's interesting what Mark had said from his um, from his source because uh, you know if we look at the other guys like Akuda and Fulton, they're just they're very very smooth in what they do, the quick hit turns, the smooth feet. Um, from what I've seen though with Diggs, is there's times where he can kind of look clunky, um, you know, heavy feet. Um, just doesn't transition well in in turning or following the receiver. Um, so I can definitely understand where um, the, the Mark Source is coming from and not being a big fan of um, what he's put on tape. But uh, a lot of people love him, and he's going to go, you know, within the first couple rounds. Okay, so all the guys so far, this is kind of like, and I don't, I don't know, Mark, if you agree, if we draw a line here at Diggs before we move into the second tier of corners, um, but of the guys that we've talked about so far, which one, and I guess maybe we take Okuda out of the conversation because although we don't want to, you know, he could be there, but we assume that he won't be there. Which guy would be best suited as a Packer? Mark, we'll start with you. Of the guys we've, we've talked about? Yep. Oh, I would, I, would stop, I would stop traffic, drive to the airport, and pick up C.J. Anderson and get, him, and get him to Green Bay as fast as I could. But that's not, I don't think he's going to be there either. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement I think there. The next year, I think our next the second half of our show, that's when we're going to talk about guys the Packers might might, might get. get after. Paul, which one of these guys is is your guy? I agree, C.J. Anderson. So from there, we move on to the Pac-12, which of course brings a little sparkle to my eye. So out of Utah, Jalen Johnson ran a four. I think he ran a four five forty. Um, he's actually a decent press corner. So press corners coming out of college are not easy to find. And even the ones that are good in college don't necessarily start out being good in the NFL because, again, the footwork is completely different. I mean, Devontae Adams breaks a lot of ankles. So when you get to the NFL level, it's going to be difficult. But one of the things about Johnson that stood out was he uh, communicates well. So he could be a guy that's got that leadership acumen. That tells me a little bit about his intelligence level. And his athleticism seems to translate to the field really well. And he's, he's a willing tackler. He's he's pretty decent in run support too so that's that's what I had on Johnson Paul have you done any work on him or saw anything else to add yeah um, all the things that you said he's also really experienced been playing since he's a true freshman and one thing that I noticed um, just from reading up on him um, perhaps more so than what I did on others is he really takes the time studying the tape you know as a student of the game because there's been a number of quotes from him you know throughout his college career where if he comes up with an interception he would refer back to how he saw that on tape and was able to you know process that at you know at the line of scrimmage before the snap and kind of diagnose what was happening Um, so I mean you love to see that and I think that that's definitely uh, an aspect that the Packers would be would be drawn to sure all right Mark any thoughts on Johnson I like Johnson. I think he's a guy. Listen, the Packers, well, at least under under Ted, I, don't know, I guess in the last couple of years, they always get a Pac-12 guy, right? They almost mm-hmm. always have somebody out of Pac-12. Yeah, usually, uh, they. I, I think their their scout out there is a guy that is very well well respected. So, um, yeah, I, I, Jalen Johnson would if, if he's there. I don't know. Can he? He probably won't make it to the bottom of the third, will he? I don't. I don't think. I wouldn't think so. Maybe move up. I mean, if, he, if he's there at sixty-two, maybe I don't know. I wouldn't mind him at all. I and I and I think he could come in and play the nickel right away. Which is, next year, that's the Packers. That, next year, the Packers need is a nickel corner, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Alexander and and King are going to be starting outside. Sullivan, I, right now, I guess is your nickel, but you would hope a, a high pick could beat out a undrafted guy go up the street. So. Uh, yeah, I would. I would if, if if Jalen Johnson ends up in Green Bay, I would not be upset at all. Yeah, and I think you probably have a point there. I mean, the first first round picks have always been a little bit 
interesting for the Packers, even transitioning from Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst, because we just never know what they're going to do, whether they're going to trade out or who they're going to pick and take. Last year we had a huge surprise at 12. Not saying that that's bad, but we just we just don't know. So a position like this, is it something that they would draft in the first round? They've done it before. Uh, they drafted Demarius Randall, and I think he was picked in the late 20s, mm. uh, the year that he was taken. So it's any, I guess anything is possible. But the they next, have defenses. Sure, they have to. Yeah, they do. I mean, they 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 do. But you know what we talked about last week too, Mark is in. in it's not since uh, Derek Sherrod. Have they taken an offensive player in the first round? And they took, you know, Sherrod and and Bulaga back-to-back, but those aren't skill players. I mean, the Packers have not drafted a skill player in the first round in, I don't know, how long. Juwan Walker, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah, he was very good. He just, you know, he was a little – he got a little – What's the word I'm looking for? I've actually met him in person. He's a really nice guy, but I I think think, uh, his head got a little too big. Oh, like a lot of – he became a classic – you know, prima donna wide receiver. Yeah, he got he became that, and then he got hurt in 2005. Sherman got dumped, and a bunch of changes were made, and he was traded to okay. to Denver. And then part of part of the trade yeah. for Javon Walker turned into wherever they ended up in the draft. They turned it into Greg Jennings, didn't it? Yes, I think I believe you're right. Yep. That's uh, that's speaking of that and wide receivers and well, another reason to really like Devontae Adams. He's not a prima donna guy. I know me. He's just a, he, you know, he, he doesn't play that wide receiver role that most of them, not most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of them do today. And that's another reason to really, really appreciate what, what the Packers have in him. Yeah, and a lot of guys, Adams got just absolutely torched in the, in the court of public opinion in 2015. You know, he just did not have a good 2015, but he had an ankle injury early that year, and I think that affected him. But it's it's so weird to think back and and know that there were so many people that said, oh, forget it, he's a bust, we need to move on from him. And it's like, man, what a mistake that would have been. Well, thank God the, the Packers didn't listen, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and, thank, and thank God that the uh, – well, I guess the Vikings did okay for a while, but thank God the Lions and the Bears have not had defensive backs that can remotely cover Devontae Adams. So another guy, actually, so the next guy on the list here, this one is a guy who's a little bit frustrating to me because he's got everything you want in a corner. Uh, and that, I'm talking about A.J. Terrell out of, or, or out of Clemson. 4-4-2-40. That is very good speed. And he's got good technique. He, the, the problem with him, though, is that he's kind of the, the opposite of, and I know it takes a while to get confident in the NFL, but he's kind of your – do you remember how A.J. Hawk – like, didn't make a lot of plays on the ball, but he made a lot of tackles. And that's because he chose to make the tackle instead of attacking the ball. And that's kind of the thing I see about Terrell is that he's he goes for the safe play instead of attacking the ball. So he's not going to give up, a, you know, he's not going to miss a lot of tackles, but he's also not going to turn in a lot of interceptions. So, Paul, I don't, I don't know if you have seen the same thing with him or if, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I mean, he has the good length, he moves well, man zone, I think he's capable of doing both, but um, I think the biggest knock on him is kind of the physicality that he brings to the position. I've also seen um, others saying that he needs to get stronger, so, you know, in the one-on-one um, situation against the bigger receiver, there's the possibility, at least early on in his career, he could get could get bullied around a little bit. Mark, any thoughts on to add? Yeah, what did we talk about last week, Chase, about big games? How, how, how do players play in Performing big games? Performing big games and whether or not that matters, yep. He didn't play very well against LSU. He got he got, he got got torques against LSU. Right. And that worries me a little bit that, you know, listen, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of Clemson, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by both South Carolina and, and, and Clemson fans down here. So I see a lot of Clemson. I hear a lot about Clemson. And I got to say, I mean, Clemson – they didn't play a lot of big games this year because the ACC, it's not their fault. It's not their fault the ACC was bad, but it was. So he didn't face a lot of top receivers and top competition until he got to L- until he played LSU, and then he kind of, you know, came up flat in that game. So I don't – that bothers me a little bit. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I think it matters. When the lights are brightest, how do you perform? So that's, that's something to be – that. You know, like we said, there's always a guy in every sport every year that makes himself a ton of money because they have a big postseason. And even if they only show up big in big games, 
which you know is the, the the Eli Manning effect, <laughs> uh, then you know that's that's where you make your hay. So, so moving along here, the interesting thing now is we get into as we move into some of these these other guys, the speed is there. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of speed, but they're a little bit further down on the list because you know that isn't always enough to get the job done. So the next guy on the list for me is I'm gonna I'm gonna get this right. All right, bear with me, Noah. Igbenogany, I think is how you pronounce it. Igben- I, don't glad you- I, don't, I want no part of him because I don't want to have to spell that name or say yeah. it. Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn. So there's two Auburn guys. We got him and Javaris Davis. So Igbenogany, what? no, I, I, I blew it. Igbenogany ran a 4.48. Javaris Davis ran a 4.39. So they have speedy corners in Auburn. Um, we'll go with Noah. Uh, he is originally from Nigeria. Physical, plays physical well. He only, but he only played two years. So again, does does that matter? Is, is is that a thing? We talked about age, Mark. What are your thoughts about guys that have limited experience in college that test well, but then you're asking them to move into the to the NFL? Well, if you're taking a guy like that, you're not asking him to come in and play next year, right? I mean, you're asking him to be on, you know, with his speed and with his athletic ability, you ask him to play special teams, be a gunner and, and work your way in. Um, and then maybe, and then again, he wouldn't be a terrible pick for the Packers later. I'm not taking him. I'm not even thinking about him until the fourth round, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe late there. I don't know because you, I don't think he can play next year for you. But if you do lose a Kevin King, maybe after a year of seasoning, you know what we forgot to mention talking about Packers and cornerbacks? Jerry Gray could be, could make a big difference in whoever they draft, and even Josh Jackson and maybe, you know, Holman. I think Jerry Gray was a very good hire. I really do. I think that was a when, – when I saw they hired Jerry Gray, I was like, oh, okay. That could, he could make a lot of guys better. He's been around a long time. I have a lot of, a lot of re- respect for him. Well, I mean, I, I remember when he was a player, um, but as a coach too, he's been around. He's been a coordinator. Um, he could help a young corner, definitely. Yeah, that's um, that's a little intangible that we didn't talk about there. And I, I was, and that's from somebody in myself that was a big fan. I was a fan of Joe Witt when he was in Green Bay. Maybe his time had come and gone, but that's that's a position that could definitely use a strong strong coach and leader. You know, running the the program there and running that position group. I think that's a good point that you make, Mark. That yeah, we hadn't mentioned. You know, I mean, the the other thing too, and maybe this is something that he he works on with a guy like Igbenogany. There we go. Uh, not he's not the swiftest in coverage. I think he got flagged quite a bit. Paul, I don't know if you watched any. I didn't watch a lot of film on him, so I don't know if you you've watched or had anything else to add on him. Yeah, I think that from the skill set that he carries and just the you know the tangibles, the athleticism, he could be a good fit in Green Bay. Athlete, physical player. And I found this little nugget on Pro Football Focus. He took the second most press coverage snaps in 2019. Um, so from that standpoint, I think he could be a good fit. And then the penalties that you're referring to, he gets gets a little grabby. And we've seen we've seen Josh Jackson struggle with that during his rookie season. He led the team in penalties, and I think I think he had eight and five or six of them were holding just from getting grabby once he got beat. But the 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 skill set and the you know what you what I could see the Packers looking for in a cornerback are there, but if he has to come in and be a player in 2020, he's obviously going to take his lumps, but as we've already mentioned, they don't necessarily need him to right away, at least on the outside. Yeah, you, really, just, you just fixed that problem by putting boxing gloves on him, right, Mark? <laughs> there you go. Isn't he a, wasn't he a good re, re, return guy at Auburn as well? Wasn't he a kick return or punt return? I didn't remember? see that. Well, he he might have been. I didn't. I didn't see that attached to him, but he's possible. I, I thought he was. I, I thought I read where he's a pretty good. Not that Packers. They did resign Irvin, which was good. So you know, you know, it's not necessarily a need, but you never. You know, injuries do happen. Yeah, they do. They do. And if we want to stay at Auburn and we want to talk about Davis, Javaris Davis, he ran. He's faster. He's got really good speed, and and his instincts are okay, but. I think the biggest thing with him is he doesn't have the ideal size. Mark, you mentioned certain metrics, certain teams want a certain size guy, and then he also isn't isn't the most willing tackler. So I don't know if those two things would necessarily, you know, exclude him from from fitting in with Green Bay. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, again, um, I, yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he fits the Packers at all. 
mainly because you said because of the size and physicality. Yeah, I don't. And again, in another year, another time, would let. There's other corners that just fit fit better. Anything on Davis, Paul? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm not as familiar with him. So I like the next guy, though. Well, the next guy, depending on how your list is is framed, <laughs> according to mine, my so the next guy that I've got is is if you're are we talking about the Fighting Irish? Yes. Troy Pride, with a name like Pride, you have to assume this guy is probably going to come in with a little bit. Uh, and he runs really well. He ran a four four forty. So, Mark, I'll turn it over because uh, you know he's he's. The book on him is pretty good. He's just not listed as one of the top corners in this draft, maybe because it's just a deeper class. He's not as big as – I mean, they list him at five – I don't know what he measured at the combine. The, the numbers I have is 5'11", 192. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can run. He ran He ran a 4 – I think he ran a 4'4", four, four, right? 4'4", four, four the combine. Four, four. Um, I mean, he – you know, again, I don't think he's going to come in and be a number one guy, but he can play. I think he can come in and play for you right away. Uh, he's a senior, so he's you know he's played he played four years for the for the Fighting Irish. Um, uh, again, I, I think he I think he could I, I wouldn't mind the Packers getting him and and you know at what what ninety four if he's there in the third round I wouldn't take him much higher than that. But um, and again, if we're looking at history, Packers have taken a guy out of Notre Dame both of Gutenkunst's years, right? They took St. Brown one year and Dexter Williams another year. Ah, you're right. So he likes well, he, that. So he likes that program. I don't know. Uh, the only, the only other question I have for you, Mark, before getting Paul's take is: Do the measurables on a player change as you get into those value spots in the fifth and sixth round? So, for example, if you're going to draft a guy in the first round, he bet he has to be X tall and X yeah. pounds. But if you're drafting him in the fifth or sixth round, sure, we'll take a corner that's under six feet. Well, they took Alexander in the first round. Sure, and Jair's a you know he he oh, he plays bigger than his size, so that was a good pick. But yep, that was a surprise pick because that didn't fit the quote unquote you know Packer size limitations. So, and I think Pride like again, I think Pride's Pride might be bigger than Alexander, isn't he? Or at least the same size. Uh, yeah, because Alexander I thought was was just short of five eleven, wasn't he? So they're about the same. Not the same. Um, again, I, I wouldn't mind Pride being if, – if he's there, wherever, I, I could live with him. Paul, any thoughts on Pride? Yeah, he is uh, – it's a cliche, but he looks like a track star out there. He's just super fast, and obviously that's going to benefit him. And man coverage, and if he's beat initially, he has that makeup speed. Um, one thing I noticed with him, though, the, an area of improvement is kind of his ball skills and plays on that. Um when I was watching him, there were a few times that kind of stood out where he was, you know, he was sticky. He was all over the man in coverage, but the pass was still completed just because he kind of lost track of where the ball was or, or uh, you know, misplayed it. So I think that's an area that he can improve on. But, I mean, if he comes in in the third or fourth round, for example, um, he has the, the skill set that you're looking for. And then, obviously, that's an area that you work with and improve with on him. But he has the... He has the pieces there that you that you want, and you can turn into um, a, a cornerback that contributes. He doesn't. He doesn't show up on the stat sheet a lot. Is what I've what I'm seeing on him, and and it's hard to teach a guy to elevate his mental game from college to the pros and have the light bulb go off once you get to the pro level when it didn't necessarily in college, but. You know he's he's got a good head on his shoulders from what I see too, so it's possible. And he went to a you know a school known for smarter guys. Mark, yeah, and, and, and the stuff like I said, you know, like Paul, he and he's a track so he can run. And another thing, if we're looking at what what the Packers have done recently in the draft, they like speed. Mm-hmm. The guys they've drafted. I mean, even Gary. I mean, they, what, what they liked about him, he's, he's for a guy his size, he runs very well. The three receivers they took now, you know, more didn't pan out at all, but he could run. Um, you know, Valdez Scantling can run. St. Brown can run. Holman last year, a six-round corner, he can run. They like speed. I don't. I mean, they're not going to take. I, I I think they've given up the height requirement as much as they look now for. If you don't run, like a, if a corner doesn't run a sub four or five, I don't. I'm not sure that their Packers are looking at him. And this guy runs Rams will run the four four, so he could be a guy. Sure. No, absolutely. 
And then as far as the rest of the list, there's a couple more guys on it, Mark, but they don't necessarily fit what I think is the profile unless you feel like we should talk about any of them. No, I don't like any of them. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of them are going to be Packers. So. so at that point, you know, I mean, the only the only other thing to do would be opine in, in maybe in what round that they go, and it's, you know, that's probably a futile conversation to have at this point. Um, you know, as far as corners go, um, they uh, – you know, they they need to stock the cupboard for sure. Paul, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that as far as a, a round or a spot where you like him to take one or. Yeah, um, I just want to get to one other player. I just want to get Mark's thoughts on it. Uh, Jeff Gladney out of TCU. Um, I know that he's a name that you see on the you know in the mock drafts and from the draft analysts out there. That's kind of a borderline first second rounder. And a lot of those, so I just wanted to see if that name was brought up at all yeah. um, with the person that you reached out to, just yeah. because he's a common name. It's funny you bring him up. I'm glad you brought him up because that's the one guy. And again, he liked 14 guys. And I mentioned Gladden, and he went, "That's the guy I don't like." Huh. I don't know. Again, he he didn't elaborate. I kind of laughed when he said that because you know, but um, he just said no. He doesn't think he said you know he's. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm doing a thing for Packer Report where I do a, the top and I do overrated underrated and he glad he's going to be my my most overrated he just doesn't like him he said he's just not he doesn't see him as a guy that can come in and play right away um again you know it could be a big 12 bias there you know there's the old adage that you don't draft defensive backs out of the big 12 because they don't play defense in the big 12 i don't know paul any thoughts on him do you like Ladney? um He's someone who has he has the the numbers or the production. I saw I looked up. He's was targeted over 230 times and allowed completions under 50 percent. Um, but what I also noticed is that um, he's kind of struggled in the press man, and he might be better suited as a zone cover uh, cover corner. So even you know I didn't, that it's not obviously not necessarily a very good fit for the Packers from that standpoint. Um, I don't have any particular strong feelings on him one way or the other, as in pounding the table to get him or that he's overrated. But it is interesting to hear that. I just wonder. I I'd be worried about a guy that was. I mean, that's pretty good that he allowed only fifty under fifty percent. But why was he targeted so much? That means teams went into games saying let's throw at him, right? That's a good point. <laughs> All right, well, a very meaty conversation about a position group that really has been kind of under the radar, and so I want to thank you guys. This was a good one. It'll be a, a fun one to listen back to, and now I can say, or since we're not swip-swapping every other week, that we will all be back again in one week, one week from today, and that'll be the final Saturday before the draft begins. So we only have one more show of opining and guessing before we'll have some actual substance to talk about, which is great, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Can't wait. Yeah, exactly. Cannot wait. Next week, that's when everybody starts lying next week. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we, maybe we can talk about that. You know, you'll, you'll hear stories that oh this oh this guy no he he's he's fall oh no or you know this team's definitely taking a running back or you know this all the lies come out next week. Well, in these quarantine times, if you're on social media, all these lists keep getting posted, and one of one of the popular ones I keep seeing is. Uh, here's a list of nine truths and one lie. Try to find the one lie. So, I don't know, maybe we do a show that, that's based around something like that. <laughs> you have no idea. But been a good week, definitely a good round. We'll do this again one week from now. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, for those of you who celebrate out there for what, it's, what it is, happy Easter. We'll see everybody next week. And as always, Go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.